0: You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is October 2nd, 2020. My name is Phil Ross, I'm an expert and site editor at right OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Responding on Twitter at RR underscore D. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we're going to continue our player evaluation series, try and wrap those up in the next week or so, and talk about Nikola Vucevic's season. We'll also add some thoughts on Wesawundu and some of the other late rotation players that we may not have the time otherwise to talk about. We'll talk about all that coming up here in just a moment, but before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching Gravity download podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for. For complete Game 2 coverage of the NBA Finals, I cannot suggest more that you go check out Locked On Lakers and Locked On Heat. We also have great national podcasts like Locked On NBA to get you your entire NBA Finals fixed, both from the local perspective as well as the national perspective. Get the best NBA Finals coverage you can find anywhere, only on the Locked On Podcast Network, plus great podcasts from the NHL, NFL, MLB, and College 2. You can find those little podcasts wherever you download podcasts search for Locked On and the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. Nikola Vucevic's entire season was building up to the playoffs. Everything that he did in the regular season, frankly, didn't matter. He's hit the point of his career where the only way that he gets judged is on playoff appearances and playoff performance. At this point, we know what he's going to give you on the floor every single night. When he's healthy, he is a twenty and twelve guy, and that's good. That's really, really good. We're, we're not we're not complaining about that. But that's only good, or go, only good enough when you're just trying to make the playoffs. That's only the numbers only matter when you haven't gotten a taste of what really matters. And in this league, what really matters is playoff performance and advancing and succeeding in the playoffs. And this Magic team has made it very, very clear after making the 2019 playoffs, and even in the run-up to make the 2019 playoffs, they made it very clear their goal was to make the playoffs and to make an impact in the playoffs, to be a team that could compete and challenge to advance in the first round and go on and on and on and on. The disappointment of this 2020 season was solely because the Magic did not perform in the postseason or did not give themselves or set themselves up to advance in the postseason. Yes, it's great they were back in it again. I, I I know I'm one of the few that believes that that is an accomplishment, That that is confirmation that what the Magic did in 2019 wasn't fake, wasn't a fluke, it was real. This is one of the eight best teams in the Eastern Conference as things stand today, and as I'm sure I will argue Moving forward, while it is very, very possible, possible, those other teams, the Hawks, the Bulls, the Wizards, the, the, uh, um, the Hawks, no, I said the Hawks, um, you know, all those other teams fighting, ben- the Hornets, there, there's the team, all those other teams fighting beneath the magic that very well could jump them have ground to make up. This is still the magic spot and they need to own it and think like this is our spot. Come and take it from our cold dead hands. But the Magic aren't judged by just making the playoffs. That's why we don't call this season a success. This season was not a failure, but it was not a success because the Magic only just made the playoffs. They didn't win. They didn't get get to the sixth seed. They didn't become true contenders. They made a playoff cameo once again. And everything about the way we talk about Nikola Vucevic was all geared toward his postseason performance. There is no doubt that Nikola Vucevic was disappointed in his postseason performance last season. 11.2 points per game, 38.8% effective field goal percentage. It was a complete disaster. And and many people suspected that if the Magic had played the Toronto Raptors in the first round this year, something similar might have happened. I don't think it would have been the same. I, I think he would have performed much better. But certainly Mark Gasol, Serge Baca have his number a little bit. They they know how to crowd him and and be physical with him. And and the the Raptors defense specifically gives the Magic a lot of problems, especially when Jonathan Isaac isn't out there, and certainly when Aaron Gordon isn't out there too. This is all to say the way we ultimately would judge Nikola Vucevic would come down to how the Magic played in the playoffs. He had a breakthrough season, an all-star season last year. Injury slowed him down this year, but none of that mattered. Until the postseason. The Magic still face an uncertain future. And Nikola Vucevic is very much a part of that uncertain future. Despite signing a four-year deal last summer. I would suspect that the Magic are going to at least test the market a little bit. On Vucevic. and And see what they could get. But the bottom line is this. Nikola Vucevic cemented himself as. Undoubtedly, if it wasn't before. The best player on this Magic roster. He cemented himself as undoubtedly a player that the Magic have to build around and play through and find a way to expand his game more. And with everyone out, with all the chips on the table and everything working against the Magic in that first round series, Nikola Vucevic undoubtedly stepped up. His postseason performance this season in the five-game series against the Milwaukee Bucks was nothing short of admirable. And even his greatest detractors certainly had to nod in approval of what Vucevic did in the postseason. He averaged 28 points per game, 11 rebounds per game, and four assists per game, while shooting a 58.6% effective field goal percentage, including 40.9% from three. He had an absolutely stellar postseason and was a big reason why the Magic were even competitive in that series helping them win game one in shocking fashion, and dominant fashion, and really just dominating the entire series. The Bucks, the Bucs' defense certainly plays to Vucevic's eye. He wants to shoot mid-range jumpers, and he delivered time and time again, but even when he got Brook Lopez in the post, even when he got near the basket, he was able to score effectively. The postseason was a true star turn for Nikola Vucevic. Maybe not the star that... Magic fans want, or maybe not even the star of the Magic fans need, because a lot of those shortcomings are still there. But Vucevic acquitted himself well and gained the redemption that he wanted from last season. And in that sense, Nikola Vucevic's season was a success. This season was not the 2019 season, but it got close in a lot of ways. He averaged 19.6 points per game, 10.9 rebounds per game, and 3.6 assists per game. Shot a 52.5% effective field goal percentage, including 33.9% from beyond the arc. We'll talk about the three-point shooting here in a bit. He was able to, again, not copy his extreme success from 2019, but certainly had another all-star caliber season. He wasn't an all-star this year. I'm not saying he should have been. Bam Adebayo certainly deserved to be pushed in there and... And 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 Vucevic was a borderline all-star in 2019 anyway, but he had a very similar season to what he had in 2019. He had a very similar season. And he seems to be a perfect fit for the Steve Clifford offense. At least as things stand now. The question for Nikola Vucevic, the question for the Orlando Magic as they continue to evolve and develop him and and, and change his game is figuring out a way to continue expanding his play. And most importantly, because we are judged by what we do in the playoffs, more importantly, Nikola Vucevic will be judged by how he elevates his team the next time they're in the postseason. Whether he can carry a team without one of its best players in Jonathan Isaac to the postseason once again next season. The doubts are always there about Nikola Vucevic. They're always there. But certainly Vucevic stepped up in a major way this season. And in that sense, this year was a success. But there's still a whole lot more for him to do. Before we continue talking about Nikola Vucevic though, I do want to talk a little bit about Bilt you know, you've heard me talk about Built Bar and, 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 the great, um, and the great protein bars that they make. Well, they've got a, a new product, um, you know, and, and, and they, they sent me a sample. I haven't tried it yet, but knowing how great the Built Bar, Built Bar is, I, I'm really excited about this too. Built Go is a brand new product, a healthy replacement for your energy drink, but the energy is not fake. It's lasting and natural. Built Go is easy to take in one and a half ounce packages, whether it's a mental or physical, wall. break through it with Go every day. Put it in your briefcase, you can put it in your pocket for the most fo- focused presentation ever. Put it in your golf bag to power through that back nine, or put it in your pocket to get through the day. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's five-hour energy without the same crash feeling, plus it's natural, so it's better for the body. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. It currently comes in three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. So how does Built Go work so well? Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is is fast absorbing, so it gets into the system fast, plus it's easy on the stomach. Built Go is loaded with good stuff to ignite my work, beta alanine, B3, honey, and a little kick of caffeine. Built Go then kicks in to keep me going strong with B6, B12, and 10,000% of your daily vitamins. That's pretty good. That's a lot. Collagen promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. The stuff literally makes you look better. Go to visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED. That's LOCKED. And you'll get 30% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED for 30, 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. And if you're like me, you're also trying to get yourself set for the NBA Finals tonight. A little bit of a late tip off. So, you know, maybe you're going to hold off on dinner, enjoy some dinner while you're watching the game. It's a little bit late to be cooking, I think. And so let let DoorDash deliver your dinner to you. Between the never-ending laundry cycles and incoming emails, you've got plenty on your to-do list. So give yourself one less thing to worry about and let DoorDash take care of your next meal. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app and choose what you want to eat and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With more than 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-to's or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left at your door. DoorDash deliveries are now contactless to keep communities they operate in safe. Right now, our listeners are going to get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDONNBA. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDONNBA. Don't forget, that's code LOCKEDONNBA, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. But this season wasn't a perfect season for let, him. Let, be clear. The injury at the beginning of the season derailed him a lot. And, and he was nowhere near as consistent as he was in 2019, despite the breakthrough playoff performance. And this season, yes, for every player, it's, it's not just uh, Aaron Gordon or Evan Fournier. It, every player on this team is facing significant questions heading into this 2020 offseason. Nikola Vucevic is not exempt from that. This was a season where the Magic yes tried to expand Nikola Vucevic's game in some ways but maybe not in the ways that they should have. His three point attempts per game were up significantly and he's just not a consistent enough three point shooter in my opinion to be someone who should be shooting a ton of threes. He needs to be in the paint more. That's to be that's to be sure. Um and, and, and he's still not a great post-up player per se, but that is probably where he is still most effective. Honestly, where I would like to see the Magic expand his game is with his passing. I think that the Magic can really use him as a fulcrum, both as a screener and pick and rolls, as well as a fulcrum as a, a passer out of the high post. And some of that is, yes, the Magic need better shooting to, to make all that work. So better shooting makes everything work better for this Magic team. But all the same questions despite an improved skill set, despite looking like a better player for long stretches, all these questions still exist for Nikola Vucevic. He's not a good enough three-point shooter to be like Nikola Jokic where he's spreading the floor and able to shoot from beyond the arc consistently. That is still an area where he absolutely needs to improve if he wants to take his game to the next level. And yes, in the playoffs, shooting 40% from three, is a big reason why he jumped up to 28 points per game. So you can see that it's possible. And, and yes, those, those big scoring games that Nikola Vucevic does have usually come because he's, he's just making jumpers like crazy. He just it gets into a really good rhythm with his jump shot. The Magic don't run a lot of plays for Nikola Vucevic, but they run a lot of plays through him. And that, that is a key difference. And, and I do think that the Magic can try to use Vucevic more as a passer and as a, a kind of initiator uh, in the same way that the Nuggets use Nikola Jokic, you know Vucevic is not as good of a passer as Jokic. Don't get me wrong, um, but he is still one of the best passing big men in the league, and I think that this is an area that the Magic can exploit and something that can make them a little bit more unique offensively. Use him more as, as someone that that players cut off of and 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 you know clear the lane that way for guys like Markel Fultz to finish at the basket, for Aaron Gordon to finish at the basket. Magic's favorite play to start every game is to get Nikola Vucevic the ball in the high post and duck it down to Aaron Gordon in a high-low set at the rim. And the more the Magic want to get Aaron Gordon closer to the basket, you know, the more Vucevic naturally moves away from it, which is kind of where he wants to be anyway. For sure, too, a big part of Nikola Vucevic's continued development is his willingness to get physical. And that is a big thing for the Magic. It is something that that Steve Clifford stresses all the time. But I still feel like it is something that is not natural for this team. It is a skill they're constantly developing rather than sort of a natural state. And, and I, I, would, I would agree that what the Magic have to do if they really want to be a strong defensive team is get players who are willing to be physical, who are willing to mix things up, willing to have an edge. And that's just not Nikola Vucevic. For, be- for better and for worse. That's just not Nikola Vucevic. And questions about his defense still exist. He is not a rim protector. His job is not there to block shots. Teams still go after him at the rim, and while he was not as strong defensively at the rim as he was in 2019, he's still better than a lot of people give him credit for. Nikola Vucevic is at best, you know, a neutral defender. He is not, you know, he struggles with pick and rolls and with guards, especially who can get downhill on him. And it took him a very long time to find his defensive rhythm and defensive footing this season. And it's something I've discussed a lot about Nikola Vucevic's defense. But he is still, the numbers still say that Vucevic is a solid defender. Not a great defender, but a solid defender. Opponents shot 2.8 percentage points worse at the rim against the expected value of Vucevic defending them. But he is still very, very good at finding a, a line to hold and being an impediment there. Again, the issue is still shot blocking and physicality when it comes to Vucevic. But Vucevic does some really good things. He's still a, a, an anchor point in this Magic defense because he's rarely out of position. He's usually in the right spots. Now, whether he can challenge or effectively change a shot is a fair question. Would having Mo Bamba be you know, in the positions that Nikola Vucevic is in uh, and, and making the reads that Nikola Vucevic is making make the Magic's defense better? Undoubtedly, because Bamba is just a longer, be, you know, better shot blocker than Vucevic is. So yes, you know, as always, that there always seems to be a ceiling with Vucevic, that he does about as well as he can. And again, the results speak for themselves. Magic had a top ten defense the last two seasons; they were eighth last season, they were tied for tenth this season. The Magic can be a good defense, but the question is always: Can they translate that to the playoffs? And that's ultimately still where Vucevic gets judged. That's ultimately still where we're going to judge what Nikola Vucevic does, and, and where his place in the NBA ultimately is. He is still vastly underrated, I feel, around the league and, and even among Magic fans. He is a guy that does a lot of things that don't show up in a box score. A, a solid screen setter. a guy, uh, Frankly, a guy who spaces the floor. A lot of his shots are open because, you know, guards know they can drive in, suck the defense in, and get it to Vucevic for a mid-range jumper, and he's, you know at a better rate than most, going to hit it. I'd like to see Vucevic take fewer threes and become more efficient as a three-point shooter. But ultimately, his best role is in the pick-and-pop. And whether that limits the offense because that's a lower percentage shot, or whether Vucevic can be a player like LaMarcus Aldridge who shoots that shot so efficiently that it negates any statistical disadvantage of shooting it, is certainly still an area where Vucevic can grow. He is still in the prime of his career. He is still an all-star caliber player. He's still the best player on this Magic team, whether you want to admit that or not. And so, the questions still remain about whether Nikola Vucevic can take this team to its next level. Whether he truly puts a ceiling on this franchise or whether there is another level to go with Nikola Vucevic. Like so many things about the Orlando Magic this season, His year was about confirming that 2019 was not a fluke. And largely, I would say he did that. Once he was healthy, once he got into his rhythm, you know, probably from about January 1st to the end of the season, Nikola Vucevic played at that all-star level once again. He was extremely effective and put up up the numbers you expect from an all-star caliber player. That's Nikola Vucevic. That's who the Magic need. But there's always so much more that goes into it. There's always so much more that needs to happen. And obviously another playoff failure, failure might be a strong word, but another playoff loss and a season where the Magic are in the same spot where they were last year certainly opens the door once again to questions. Certainly opens the door once again to wondering, just how far this Magic team can go with Nikola Vucevic. Plenty of people are ready to move on. They see him as representing an older era of Magic basketball, an unsuccessful era of Magic basketball. And that's fair. And it's fair to ask whether Nikola Vucevic can be the best player on a team that gets to the second round or beyond. It seems like his trade value will never be higher. And while Mo Bamba certainly is not ready to start, although he is certainly making some progress toward it, minus all the injuries, The question is, is Nikola Vucevic really a part of the long-term vision for this team? And that is a fair question to ask, too. The bottom line, though, is Nikola Vucevic is still the best player on the team. He proved that again this season. He's the most consistent and most reliable offensive option. He's someone that the Magic know what they can count from him every single night. And this time around, in the playoffs, he proved he could step his game up to another level, too. The question now facing Nikola Vucevic as we enter the 2021 season, the season without Jonathan Isaac, is whether Vucevic can be the kind of leader and the kind of player that brings everyone up along with him. Steve Clifford on the Orlando Magic pod squad earlier this week said, you know, Vucevic showed in the playoffs that he can be a very good player. The question is, can he do that? Can he bring that level of intensity every single night? Can he be that player to lift this team up every single night? And if he can do that, then maybe the Magic can accomplish their goals from 2020 in 2021, despite the loss of Jonathan Isaac. We're going to close out today's show by talking a little bit about some of the deep bench guys. Um, that, man, you know, there isn't a lot to say about them uh, because guys like Melvin Frazier, BJ Johnson, Vic Law, they just didn't get the opportunity to play. Um, you know, I, I we're going to talk about Wessel Wundu in more specificity because he's he's sort of representative of the issues that those deep bench players faced. But uh, you know, to be frank, you know, I, I I think you know I'm a Vic Law guy. Um, you know, I'm a Northwestern fan. Um, they just didn't get the opportunity, and, and and you know, I know I've talked a little bit about it as far as with the Magic and and their G League development and trying to draft the right guys. Um, and and find guys off the scrap heap, so to speak. But um, it's tough to do that when they just don't— it's tough to evaluate them or say much about them when they don't have the opportunity. I mean, B.J. Johnson has proven that he can dominate at the G League level. Vic Law proved last year that he can be a, a stellar scorer at the G League level, but the minutes that they got in the NBA were just so few that it's hard to evaluate them on anything. You know, B.J. Johnson had the one good game against the Lakers, and, and so, you know, two, you know, I think it was what four for ten in that game, or four for nine in that game, uh, or f- actually four for thirteen, maybe. Um, you know, he scored ten points, had a couple of nice shots, um, you know, had a couple runouts. You know, played really good defense. He actually defended LeBron James on his potential game-winning three or game-tying three at the end of that game. Um, you know, he he showed a little bit, but that was the only meaningful minutes that he played all season. You know, Josh Majet only played meaningful minutes in his last game against the Phoenix Suns, and Steve Clifford essentially you know put him on the bench after trying him in the first first half. And you know, one thing that I think is a fair criticism of Steve Clifford is he creates a set rotation and he really sticks with it. Um, you know, and, and I would say you know there are advantages to that. I think he's trying to build a foundation. I think he's trying to give guys an expectation of when they're going to play and get them comfortable um, playing with the groups that they're they're ultimately going to be playing with. Um, But that leaves out little room for these guys to develop or or, or for the Magic to get a real look at some of these players. I mean, I I do think about the Steve Kerr approach where you know every once in a while he would sit a veteran like Leandro Barbosa and and tell Barbosa specifically, I'm going to sit you this game so that we can reward this young guy for working so hard in practice. And maybe you can get away with that because you have Steph Curry and Clay Thompson to bail you out if you lose uh, or if you're, you're trailing in that specific game. But I do think that there's some merit to that approach, rewarding guys who work hard, who do, do all the work in practice, with minutes. Trust me, I was a bench guy. I never got any of those minutes to begin with. There, there when I was playing basketball, there were games we lost by 50 that I didn't play, and that was about the time when I knew uh, it's time to quit. It's time to quit playing basketball. This coach isn't going to play me. I, but I, I think, you know, I think that's ridiculous, obviously. But um, I, I do think that there's some merit to making sure. Everyone gets a chance, especially to play meaningful minutes. Just finding little pockets of time to play these guys and see what see what you have in them. Because yes, games are different than practices. But I will say this, and this is one thing that that I always thought about when when we were talking with Stan Van Gundy back in the day. Coaches see players a lot more than we do. Um, they see in practice, and if you're not earning your time in practice, you're not getting game time either. So does B.J. Johnson not playing? Uh, you know, in these games mean that he wasn't practicing well? I don't know. You know, Clifford has a lot more information than we do, but I do think it's disappointing that we didn't get to see guys like B.J. Johnson and Vic Law get, get some opportunity. I mean, they got some... I think they played... You know, I think B.J. Johnson specifically played only two games that were decided by fewer than 10 points or fewer than 15 points. Um, one was the game against the the Lakers, where the Magic were desperate for any bodies. Um, and then the other was the last game of the regulars the last game of the seeding round against the New Orleans Pelicans when the Magic essentially sat everyone anyway. So again, just not a lot of opportunity. The same goes for Melvin Frazier. Um Melvin Frazier, I thought, you know, from the little time we saw of him, made some pretty significant improvements. Um, he was a, a more confident shooter. Uh, and I, I think that matters. I think that's a really big deal for him and, and obviously a huge step in his development. But at the same time, his minutes were extremely limited. He didn't get very many opportunities. I think the most minutes he played all season was against the Washington Wizards on January 1st after, after uh, Jonathan Isaac got hurt. And again, frankly, just not a lot of opportunity. There wasn't a chance for him to play. And that's frustrating and disappointing. I'd be frustrated if I were Melvin Frazier about that. Um, because it did look like he made improvements to his three-point shot. It looked like he was more confident shooting them. But, again, just didn't get the chance to show that in games. And that's, again, disappointing because he's a second-round pick. He's ai mean, that's an area where the Magic need to have guys that can perform. And that brings me to Wes Awundu, who's, who's probably the poster boy of players who have clearly earned opportunity that just for whatever reason can't get them. Awundu has been the Magic's break glass in case of emergency guy. The Magic are never afraid to go to him. If they need him to fill minutes or, or play in the rotation, he is there, and the Magic go to him. He played in 52 games this season, started 21, averaged 5.8 points per game, shot 47.6% effective field goal percentage, and 34.1% from beyond the arc. And, and, and after a very slow start from beyond the arc, got pretty pretty good. Got very got significantly better. Playoffs, he played in all five games, averaged 15.2 minutes per game. 4.2 points per game, 57.1% from beyond the arc, 40.0% effective field goal percentage. Again, not a bad 3 po- I mean, he is not a good three-point shooter. Teams still essentially ignore him at the three-point line, but it's very obvious he has improved significantly there, and, and, and it's still an area where I think he can continue to get better. However, the Magic had their opportunity to play him. When the Magic were struggling to find lineups and figure out how to replace Jonathan Isaac... You know, they played Aaron Gordon at the three for a little while, and that obviously didn't work. And then they went out and acquired James Ennis. We're going to talk about James Ennis probably a little bit next week. You know, he is a solid veteran. He knows how to defend well. You know, he, he doesn't get in the way. Clifford claims he's a good three-point shooter, though he struggled with his three-point shot in Orlando. You know, there, Ennis is a very similar player to one who's maybe a little bit bigger, you know, certainly able to, to be a little bit more physical, gave the team a little bit more of an edge. And I'm not saying acquiring James Ennis was a bad decision. I I thought James Ennis played pretty well for the Magic, or decently well for the Magic. But that was a perfect opportunity to play Wes That was a perfect opportunity to say, we have developed this young player. We believe he can stabilize our offense and give us a chance, or stabilize our team and give us a chance when we face injury. And give him that opportunity. Again, the Magic were never afraid to start him in spot starts when there were injuries. But when the chips were down, when the Magic you know, wanted to make the playoffs and needed someone to rely on to play the three, they didn't rely on Wessowundu. What does that say? Especially in a year where Wessowundu has a team option and it's unclear whether the Magic will bring him back this year. I'm, I'm leaning toward they will, but I, I don't know. And, and a lot of that is because every opportunity the Magic had to expand Wundu's role and and a one do at least by my eye by what he by how he played deserved to have his role expanded every opportunity the magic had to expand his role they turned it down they said we're going to go in a different direction we're going to try something else why is this the case I don't know did a one do not show up show out in practice did Clifford just not trust him every time Clifford talks about a one do he always talked about how, you know, we got to get a one-do consistent minutes. I'm not just going to throw him in there for three, four minutes and then take him out. You know, whenever he played consistent minutes over a large, larger period of time, he played well. And, and, and the stats bear that out too. He played well when he was given the opportunity. But where was the opportunity? When he had the chance, when the Magic had the chance to play him, they didn't. And this is a lot of what I talk about when I'm saying that the Magic need to be more effective building from the middle. They need draft picks. They need young players. They need guys that they find to step into these roles. That's how they're going to be successful on this path that they're building right now. But the bottom line is, when they're given the opportunity to try that, when they're given the opportunity to trust and give a guy that they drafted, that they believed in, that they were developing and growing, the opportunity to play a bigger role, they didn't. And I think that is really dangerous. I, I, I don't know if playing Wessel Wundu, starting him for the rest of the season, not going after James Ennis, I don't know if that would have worked or not. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and predict whether that would have you know changed the Magic's fortunes, would have made the Magic a better team, would have not caused any change at all. I do know that not giving a Wundu that chance says a lot, though, about how he's developed, about how much they trust him, and about his future with the team. And I think that is, you know, not dangerous, but I do think that is worrisome moving forward to the next level that the Magic are trying to reach because if the Magic are going to build this way, they need guys like a Wando to hit. They need guys like a Wando to grow into and develop into roles that they can play on this team. And frankly, I don't understand what the Magic are doing with Wessel Wandu. Because by my eye, by everything I saw on the floor, he did just about everything the Magic could have asked of him. He's a solid defender. Not a great defender. Not someone you want to put on the best players all the time. But off the bench, a good defender. An improving and, and better three-point shooter. And again, a guy that did everything that was asked of him. That, that gave the team a little bit of an edge sometimes. So I don't quite understand what the Magic are doing on the back end of their roster and how they're developing these guys because all these guys should have had some opportunities, should have had some chances to show in games what they can do. And consistently, the Magic didn't turn to them. And I think that is concerning. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, search your tune in Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, and all the places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at Philip underscore omd And for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow us there on Twitter at omagicdaily. Don't forget, Monday is the, registra- is the voter registration deadline here in the state of Florida. Go check with your local... Um, uh, supervisor of elections office or wherever you can to make sure you are registered to vote in this November's election if you live in the United States and certainly if you live in Florida. A lot of important issues on the ballot this year in Florida, including including actually a, a big important ba- a, 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 a amendment to the Constitution that could change how we vote on amendments to our Constitution. Uh, so definitely, t- definitely do a lot of research on not just the president, which is important, but all your local races too, as well as the constitutional amendments, as these have major impacts on the rights that we have here in the state of Florida. So definitely check all that out. Um, the registration deadline, again, is Monday. Early voting will kick off, I believe, um, the, the following week uh, and go, obviously, until until the week before the election. So definitely, 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 definitely. I believe November 1st is the end of early voting, which will, of course, take place at the Amway Center if you live here in Orange County. So definitely, definitely, check your voter registration information as well and be an active participant in our democracy. But that's going to do it for me today. Enjoy NBA Finals Game 2 tonight um, and, and of course, uh, over the weekend as well. Uh, and we'll see you again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Ross and Wright. We'll catch you all next time for another episode of Locked on Magic.